even with a nine and four record, the Detroit Lions have us worrying right now. That was a really ugly, embarrassing meltdown loss to the Bears. Let's get into it. I get loud sports. You know, just a couple years ago, if you would have told me that a Detroit Lions team that couldn't hardly fight its way out of a wet paper bag would be sitting nine and four with a two game lead in the NFC North and we'd be worried about them, I would call you a liar. Um, especially the first half of last season with that one and six start. If you would have said that with a month left in the very next season, we'd be leading the division and have a solid record and in control of your own destiny. I'd say probably not. We're not even close to that yet, but that's where we're sitting right now with the lions. And some of these wins that they've gotten the last handful of weeks have been more stressful than they should be. They've squeaked out some wins against some bad teams. The last game against the Bears that we won on basically two game-winning drives to finish out the fourth quarter, stressful. Win over the Chargers, who are not good, stressful. But what we'd been saying the entire time is the same old Lions always found a way to lose those winnable games, but the brand-new Lions find ways to win those games that they probably should have lost. And that's what's been the difference with this team compared to years past. But uh, there's a lot of people that are really concerned about the Lions right now, and I'm one of them. The defense, for as good as it looked early in the season, looks non-existent right now. We absolutely cannot do anything to stop a running quarterback. Look at what Justin Fields has done to us twice this year. Look what Lamar Jackson did to him. And and that's got to be on Aaron Glenn to figure out why this doesn't work and just to make it worse you get a quarterback with a good arm our defensive secondary doesn't even show up for the game uh we're making some really average quarterbacks look really good and unfortunately that's something that the Lions have done pretty much my entire life um but we're supposed to be better than that now now on the other side of that to be fair I will say that this team is probably a year or two ahead of schedule on where the expectations are should realistically be we're in year three of Dan Campbell being head coach with these coordinators and Brad Holmes doing an excellent job with draft picks and an excellent job with free agency to really build this into a respectable winning franchise I would say that anybody okay look you know there's guys, I, you've seen it. There's people that are out there with Detroit Lions uh, Super Bowl championship tattoos for 2024 on them already. I think we're very much improved. I think we're way ahead of where I expected them to be right now, but I'm not there. But there's some people that are, are that are there, and they're making us all look crazy. And you all need to chill with that. I think we're way ahead of schedule, but because of the hype and because of the way they came out this season and just went on a tear early, the hype and the expectations I think might've gotten a little bit out of control to where all of a sudden we're nine and four and have had a handful of ugly games. And you think the world might be falling down on them. I think we need to just slow down on all of it. This was an interesting uh, clip from the Pat McAfee show. I believe this is from today's show. I'm going to go ahead and play this for you. Pat McAfee and that whole crew loves Dan Campbell. Just like I do Um, guys, a former player, He relates to players, and that's what we got here. So give this a listen. 
and let's see if you are on the same page with Pat McAfee and AJ Hawk here. Nevertheless, that's a game the Lions, the brand new Lions, oh, yeah. would have won. Oh yeah, definitely a game the same old Lions would have lost. Yeah, right? sure. I'm worried. I don't like it. AJ, are we? Are the? Is this the? Say oh, okay. don't say it. Oh. Don't say it. Lies. No. Is that what we got right here, AJ? Well, I'm not oh. saying it, but it, you brought up that stat of people thinking that they have not beat like some great teams out there. So you think, okay, go out there, take care of business against Chicago, and people people may still question them a little bit and think hey, they haven't beat stud teams out there. But then you go out there and you lay an egg and you get beat by this Chicago team. I don't know, yeah. like where where are they headed? Where, where is the arrow pointing? So, hey, we don't like it. Hate it. I hate it. Hate but it. I'm excited. You know what I'm excited for? I'm excited to see MCDC coach these boys up. We got four games. We got to make the playoffs, and I'm excited to see what he does with these guys. Do you have the clip of him saying what he's going to do afterwards in the press conference? No, I, I, he, he sound be mean or something. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's going to get a little worse. Yeah, I'm going to be mean. All right, we hope so. Yeah. So what he's talking about there? What uh, what Dan Campbell had to say in the post game press conference because the media wasn't wasn't nice to him. They they had a lot of questions that are hard to answer after that one. But essentially what, what Campbell had to say is that he just had to coach him up harder. He said we're, he's going to have to be harder on him, and he can do that. So we got a short week now to bounce back because we got Denver. They flexed the Broncos-Lions game to primetime on Saturday night this week. That happened a couple of weeks ago. And now the way the Broncos have been playing the last five or six weeks where you would have looked on the schedule – three, four weeks into it and said, this one's a cakewalk. It is not somehow. And I guess you got to credit Sean McVay for this. And this is an interesting storyline because Sean McVay is really Dan Campbell's mentor as a coach. Dan Campbell coached under Sean McVay in new Orleans. And now he's coaching against him and the Broncos have got it figured out. So this one is no longer any kind of a cakewalk of a game. And it's going to be really interesting to see now. Good news, it's in Detroit. Game's in Detroit. That's what they need. They needed a home game back, um, and it's indoors. The Lions don't do great outdoors, especially in cold-weather climates, um, although you can't really say that because that last game in Green Bay last year where they shut Aaron Rodgers down and made sure his last uh, completed pass of the season was to uh, to them. Actually, last completed pass of his career if he doesn't come back. But anyway, um, yeah, this is an interesting situation. Now, the Lions, according to ESPN right now, analytics, are still a 59% favorite to win that game. So, And I don't know what that's based on. I don't know if that's based on um, injuries. I don't know if that's just based on overall record, strength of schedule, because the Lions haven't had the toughest schedule to play so far. But right now, ESPN basically has given them a 60-40 chance to win that game. Um, you're looking at looking at passing stats um Jared Goff is out throwing Russell Wilson pretty significantly this year 3449 total yards to 2609 yards and up until a few weeks ago hadn't even thrown a pick now all of a sudden Goff's looking at 21 touchdowns thrown but 10 picks compared to 23 touchdowns and only eight picks from Russell Wilson well what does that mean I have no idea this all changes from week to week I think the Lions have a lot more offensive weapons that they can rely on than the Broncos do. 
but Russell Wilson can run and scramble and extend plays. And the Lions have been struggling like crazy to contain anybody that's been able to do that. If we look at the stats from this Bears game yesterday, let me pull this up and let's see where we're at. We go here. So yesterday, Justin Fields had a passer rating of 105.2 against Detroit. Nope, hold on. That was in their loss. That was in their loss. Where's yesterday's? I bet he was better. Let's see what we got. Nope, wasn't better. 88.3, but he did a lot more work on the ground. He ran a lot better yesterday than he did the first time they played him because that first matchup, he was coming off of an injury. Now he's looking healthy. His arm looks pretty decent. It's not the most accurate, but he can get it downfield and he can run. Russell Wilson, I think, has a better arm than Fields and he can run. So what does the defense look like against that? Now, something I wasn't really, didn't really understand is they didn't elevate Bruce Irvin to active status for yesterday. Last week, he makes his debut against the Saints and did a hell of a job. Had a sack, had a bunch of quarterback pressures. He had a pressure on all 11 snaps that he was on the field, plus a sack. And then yesterday, when we really needed to put pressure on a guy like Fields, they didn't have him active. I don't know if that was injury-related or not, but because he was inactive, he wasn't on the injury report. So I don't know what's going on with that. Um but I really hope that he's part of this uh, part of this defense this next game against the Broncos because we're really going to have to do something to contain Russell Wilson. Let's take a break, and then we'll get back to it. So looking ahead to this matchup for this Saturday night between the Lions and the Broncos, one of the things you got to take into serious consideration here is – the injury report. And for the Lions, we're still looking at some pretty significant names on it. And the one that may have may have the most to do with the offensive struggles as anybody is Frank Ragnow. Frank Ragnow is an all-pro center. He's a, he's a pro bowler. And, and without him in there, that offensive line looks very different. And without Frank Ragnow sitting in there, Glass, Graham Glasgow moves into that spot and jumbles up the entire offensive line. And since that's been the case, you've seen Jerry Goff having to scramble, taking sacks, and it just hasn't looked like the same offense. We can't get the run game going up the middle. Uh, David Montgomery is even struggling to get yards between the tackles, which is normally not the case with him. Normally, normally Montgomery doesn't need a whole heck of a lot of room to make something happen and pick up five yards. But in the last couple of weeks that Ragnow hasn't been available, he hasn't been able to get it going either. And then that has forced them to lean on Jameer Gibbs to the outside a little bit more. But a lot of those routes are being broken up still because of the mixed up offensive line. Right now, uh, as as of this, uh, Ragnow is listed as questionable with an estimated return date of December 16th, which is game day. Um, like we said, this one was flexed. Uh, into a Saturday night primetime slot, um, which was originally scheduled to be a Sunday game. So right now, he's essentially a game day decision. Uh, We're also looking at still James Houston. Uh, He's on the IR. He's not coming back this week. Um, And still looking for a possible return of C.J. Gardner-Johnson. They've still got him on the IR with an estimated return date of December 24th 
which if that happens, that would make him available for the final three games of the season, which are two against Minnesota and one against Dallas. So looking looking ahead to that, that would be a huge lift. And we've also got James Houston listed as the same return date. So if if Detroit can get out of this Saturday game with a win against the Broncos and they get C.J. Gardner-Johnson and James Houston active for the two games against Minnesota, which are the ones that matter the most. Dallas, you know what? I, I hate to say this because I hate the Dallas Cowboys. That looks like a team that could win a Super Bowl right now. They're good. Um, they clowned the Eagles on Sunday night. They made Philadelphia look terrible. And Philadelphia is not terrible. But Dallas just killed them. They are about as... Dallas is about as complete of a football team as you could possibly want right now, and they are getting better as the season goes on. I would say barring any kind of significant injury, um, right now, your NFC Championship game is probably a rematch between Philadelphia and Dallas. That'd be their third time playing this season, and I don't know that Philadelphia is going to have enough to beat them. I don't think the Eagles went into that game with any significant injuries that they were dealing with, but they had nothing for the Cowboys. So do I think the Lions have anything for the Cowboys? Uh, barring a miracle, probably not. Um, but the games that matter the most in the last four are against Minnesota. And that's a that's a weird matchup that I don't think anybody really knows quite what, what we're looking at there with the Vikings. Started the season off absolutely in the dumpster. They lost to the Bucks, lost to the Eagles, lost to the Chargers. Got one against the Panthers, who are terrible. Lost to the Chiefs. Got one. And they just started off terrible. Then out of nowhere, Kirk Cousins. He's he's done for the season. I believe that was uh I believe that was an Achilles. Not sure what the deal is with Achilles injuries and quarterbacks this year, but it's a problem. Um, but yeah, then Kirk Cousins goes down and they bring in Josh Dobbs. And if you remember back, um, he's literally on the sideline his first game with Minnesota, taking snaps with the center and working out the cadence and how they're going to how they're going to call these call these plays off. And he comes out and starts winning games. And and of course, true to form, uh, he was on the Cleveland Browns roster to start the season during the preseason, and they dropped him because they got Deshaun Watson. And what do they what do they need Josh Dobbs for? Turns out they needed Josh Dobbs because he went to Minnesota and came in, started doing work and winning games. Well, then this last week against the Raiders, they ended up benching him. And they went to, what is this dude's name? Is it Nick Mullins? I've never heard of Nick Mullins before. Uh, Quarterback, 28 years old, out of Southern Miss. Um, Did okay. Had a QBR of fifty five point eight. Did enough to did enough to get a drive put together at the very end of the game to get him into field goal range, and beat the Raiders three to nothing. That you know, I'm not sad that I didn't watch that game, but I'm also kind of sad I didn't watch that game. I I can't imagine can't imagine what that would have looked like. Uh, the Raiders had is this Aiden O'Connell? Aiden O'Connell had a. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen a number this low. He had a quarterback rating of 16.8. And the Vikings only beat them three to nothing. So for a stretch, when Josh Dobbs comes in and starts saving the day for the Vikings, you start to think, oh crap, 
they're going to start making a run. And those last two games against the Vikings could make or break this division for the Lions. The Lions have been the favorites to win the NFC North since the preseason. And that hasn't changed. But Minnesota really looked like they were going to start doing something. That may be over. That that might have been uh that might have just been some beginner's luck for Dobbs. I don't know what they're doing now, but they're not winning. And they're definitely I, I don't see if you're if if you only pull off a three to nothing against the Raiders, who are now sitting five and eight after that one. I think that uh, I think Detroit should have no problem taking both of those games, which is really what they need more than anything. So they're, you know, we got a nine and four Lions team right now with four games to go. I would like to say we can be three and one in the last four and finish the season 12 and five, which would be outstanding. Um, no more outdoor games. Um, we're at home against Denver on the road against Minnesota on the road against Dallas, and then I believe wrapping up the season at home against Minnesota. So no bad weather, no rain, no wind, no excuses at this point. So, um, But this is what's got to be fixed. I'm looking at a stat here, and this is Jared Goff. Jared Goff since week seven, stats. Ten touchdowns, seven picks, six fumbles, and sacked 15 times. That is not the Jerry Goff that we had up to week six this year and all of last season. That's more like 2021 Jerry Goff, where everybody had just assumed he's a short-term fix. We were able to get get Stafford to the Rams. We got a bunch of picks. We got a quarterback that'll just be there for a couple years until we find our guy. And then last year, totally turned the corner and... Everybody was all in on Jared Goff. Well, right now, this is an ugly situation, and this isn't what we thought we had. So it's going to be on. And then you look at you look at how they're using the weapons. We the Lions have an absurd amount of high level players on that offense. You've got the best one two punch in the backfield of anybody in the league with Montgomery and Gibbs. And then as far as targets go, you've got Amon Ross St. Brown. You've got Sam Laporta. You've got Jamison Williams. You've got Craig Reynolds. They finally got Donovan Peoples-Jones involved a little bit this last week. You've got Khalif Raymond. You've got a lot of weapons out there. But when you lose a game to the Bears and Jamison Williams, who we're starting to see the, the potential with him, only touches the ball twice, one on a reverse and one pass to him, and he didn't drop anything. He was just only targeted once. And Amon Ross St. Brown has had two, three catches in the last couple weeks. There's your problem. Your 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 PFF rating uh, this for this week for the Lions had St. Brown and Goff both ranked dead last on the offense. So if you want to know why we can't win a game and why we only scored 13 points against the Bears, who are terrible, there you go. That's where you'll go. And then on top of that, uh, Alex Anzalone come back from an injury this week, and he was dead last ranked on the defense PFF. That can't happen. That's got to be the leader on your defense right now. And instead of leading, he's the worst player on the field on defense for you. So it's going to be real interesting to see what the coaching staff manages to do 
with this because there are some serious things that need to be fixed. This is what they're getting paid to do is to problem solve this whole mess. And I am certainly not anywhere, uh, anywhere towards ready to cash it in, blow it up and start over because man, I've been, I've been a fan of this team my whole life and I've seen, I've seen the worst, the worst of the worst. Um, and we're not there. So, but we may not be in the bottom, but we're definitely not where we thought we were going to be during the first half of the season. So it's frustrating. Now, the one thing I can say, and this kind of blew my mind, and this is a fact, in the last calendar year, the Detroit Lions that only play 16 games in a season have more wins than the Detroit Pistons this season. Uh, So what does that look like? So the Pistons right now, let's see, last night, so this this podcast ended up getting split between a Monday and a Tuesday. So last night, Monday night, the Pistons dropped one to the Pacers, 131 to 20, 123, 131, 123. That brings them there. Well, we'll just for starters, absolute worst team in basketball. It's not even close. Right now, let's go back. Let me find the score. So there we go, 131 to 123. So that brings the Pistons to a current season record of 2-21. and 21. They started the season off 2-1 and one and looked pretty impressive. They have since lost 20 straight games, haven't won a game since October. What was the date on that last win? So they beat the Thunder on, let's see, started the season off. Lost one in overtime to Phoenix. Beat the Thunder 128-125. And then also beat the Thunder 118-116 on October 19th. And haven't won a game since. That was almost two months ago. We are one week away from it being two months since the Pistons have won a game. 20 straight losses. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the worst losing streak in the NBA has ever been, but this has got to be pretty darn close. Uh, you know what? Give me, I'm going to just do this on the fly. Cause I want to know what is, what is the worst losing streak in the history of the NBA? Let's find out. Oh, Wow. The Philadelphia 76ers hold both NBA records, setting the single season mark at 26 in a row in 2013-14 and the overall mark at 28 at the end of 2015-16 and start of 2016-17. Miles Turner added 20 okay. points so, Indiana. So the Pistons are really close to breaking their own record, which was split up across the end of one season and the beginning of another. Pistons dropped 21 straight games between the end of the 79-80 season and the 80-81 and season. But, so the worst ever in a single season belongs to the 76ers in 20, <clears throat> 2013 and 2014. They lost 26 straight. An overall mark spanning two seasons of 28. So the worst the worst losing streak in season ever is Philadelphia between 2013 and 2014 dropped 26 straight games. You know what, boys? 
I think we can do it. I think we can beat that. Let's take a look at the schedule and see if there's anything that resembles a freaking win for the Pistons. So what's coming up? So you got, let's see, Wednesday night, you got Philadelphia. They're 15-7. and seven. That's a loss. Same thing again Friday. That's a loss. Saturday, you got the Bucs. They're 16-7. and seven. That's a loss. The next chance at maybe having a winnable game to play is on Monday next week against Atlanta. They're 9-13. and 13. And then Thursday next week, you get Utah as 7-16. So if you've got a shot of winning anything in the next couple of weeks before you break this record, it's those two games. And I sure as heck wouldn't bet a dime on it. Um, this is a this is a historically terrible basketball team that shouldn't be. Coming out of last year, hopes were pretty high for the Pistons. And had a lot of great young players. Dwayne Casey decided, well, he either decided or he was told it was time to hang it up. I'm not sure. Um, but they moved on and they got Monty Williams, who came in with a lot of high expectations of taking this team to the next level. They picked up a handful of uh, good draft picks and things were headed in the right direction for the Pistons. Um, well, so much for that. Uh, two and 21 right now, almost two months without a win, 20 straight losses. Um, I don't even I don't even know what you do going forward uh with that i mean how do you how how do you go out and and even compete when it's been i mean they were bad last year looks like 17 and 65 holy cow how in the world i wonder what they were the year before that 21 22 season they were 23 and 59 so you know what just getting steadily worse and worse and worse as time goes on, and that's a damn shame. Um, I would imagine that if they, if here, here's what's going to happen. So what's what's the best record in the history of basketball right now? It used to be the Bulls at seventy two and ten, right? And then, uh, then Golden State beat that a handful of years ago. I believe seventy three and nine is the best record in the history of the NBA. Challenge Pistons, challenge. Nine and 73 flip the record, be the worst, just be the worst. Let's see. Let's check this out. What is the worst record in NBA history? Worst record in NBA history. Let's see here. This isn't right. Saying the. 2011 to 2012 Bobcats. Where did they finish? What was the... Oh, gosh. 7 and 41. How's that possible? Oh, that's the... Whew. Yeah, there's some there's some elite company here. 7 and 59. That's not a whole season. Was that a shortened season? It's not a complete season. That shouldn't count. But you know what? It's a target. It's a goal. I say if you're going to be the worst, just be all of the worst. When the Lions went 0-16, hey, if you're going to suck that bad, do it so bad that nobody else can ever touch it. And then the freaking Browns tied it. So now you got to share that garbage record. Just like I believe it was 2003, the Tigers tied the all-time record for losses. And I say if you're going to lose that bad, be 
the best at sucking that bad and own that record yourself. So I'd like to see the Pistons. If you're going to be this bad, make history with how bad you're going to be. Um, I don't see them pulling off any wins in these next handful of games. Philadelphia is going to destroy them the next couple of couple games for this week. And then Milwaukee's going to get them too. So look for Monday next week, maybe against Atlanta, but I doubt it. So anyway, all right, well, we're going to wrap it up and uh, probably get you another one this week sometime. Um, do me a favor. If you're listening to this and you enjoy the show, um, give it a share, share it with some friends that, uh, that like local sports. Maybe they're Lions fans. Maybe they're Pistons fans. Maybe they hate both teams with a passion and they like to talk trash on what I'm talking about. Share it with them too. I don't care. Uh, that, but do me a solid, share this with a couple of buddies, try to help get the reach out there and give me some feedback on the Spotify. It's got a little question where it asked you, what did you think of this episode? Let me know whether you liked it or whether you didn't like it. Just let me know. I like to continue doing this and any kind of feedback I can get just makes it makes it a better show. So uh, until then, uh, we'll we'll be uh, we'll be watching uh, everything local, everything national, and we'll come back with another one later this week. So until then, uh, this has been the coach for Get Loud Sports. <laughs>